Hello and welcome to uh, Ink Studs. This is the uh, radio show in which we uh, discuss uh, live on your car radio uh, comics related topics while you're driving and it helps in uh, road safety. Um, so today uh, the guest is, who? who is the guest? I forget totally. It's me, Katie Skelly. Oh, hello, Katie. And um, just a word of warning, Katie is on her 18th consecutive day of interviews, so um, it's gonna, th- this is going to be the uh, forum where we just include all the stuff Katie wasn't allowed to include in her other interviews. Exactly. Yeah, I think it's uh, going to be really special in that way. Um, I think so, too. So what are you, you have a book coming out, uh, I think it even has a release date, is that correct? I do. It is My Pretty Vampire coming out from Fanagraphics on August 8th. Wow. That's great. Yeah. That's the in-store date. And then it's shipping from Fanagraphics at the end of August. But you might be able to find it um, a little bit sooner if, if you're digging around. Yeah, yeah. If, if you know the uh, tricks like uh, all Ink Studs listeners do. Exactly. Yeah, they're all hackers and scammers out there, and <laughs> I respect that. Exactly. <laughs> So, um, so let me j- just, just as an issue of, um, total transparency, because the motto of Ink Studs is total transparency. Um, <laughs> we, uh, we, we know each other, Katie and I, uh, in real life. In fact, we, we both grew up in Pennsylvania. Is that correct? We did. Yeah. I am from Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, and you are from, from- Centralia, Pennsylvania. <laughs> Where the fire never stops burning. Exactly. Yeah, uh, you were just burst there. Exactly. I just crawled out of the ground. It was, mm-hmm, it was mm-hmm. pretty. I was fully grown, and I was uh, <laughs> I was clutching a uh, I was clutching a comic book. It, there isn't, you go. Pe- isn't Pennsylvania a really like weirdly comics rich area? It is. Um, there's a lot of comics talent that comes out of there. Um, I would you know include myself in that, and I don't know. I feel like maybe it's just one of the most like repressed states for whatever reason. So there's just like a huge interest in comics. It's super repressed. And, um, I don't know, I guess there's just a lot of paper around too. Yeah. I keep hearing this rumor and it's, it's probably fake. It's uh, probably total mythology, but I keep hearing that like the Tijuana Bible, like the, the eight page booklets where you like see Donald Duck fucking for the first time. Um, <laughs> I, I, I heard those were somehow invented in Scranton, Pennsylvania. And I don't know if this is just something Scranton says to make itself feel good. But Who in Scranton is saying this though? I, I read it somewhere. I read it oh, some, weird. somewhere where people discuss, uh, uh, Tijuana Bibles on the internet, uh, Art Spiegelman may or may not have been around or involved or something. Really? So they're not actually from Tijuana? No, none of them are from Tijuana. That's just, that, oh. that that's just adding that extra sprinkle of, uh, racism on top and on top oh, okay. of the pornography, yeah. <laughs> I fell for it. I was like, wow, that's exotic. <laughs> that, 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 that was the goal. But, but yeah. it, speaking of your reading experience, did you have, like, <laughs> because, Within 45 minutes of me, here in Pennsylvania, the Comics Wonderland, there's like eight different comic stores, and three of them are actually good. Like, did you have like a comic store by you when you were young that uh, helped develop your aesthetics? I did. Um, I was lucky enough to grow up with a comic book store that was only a few blocks away from me um, called, called Dreamscape Comics, and it was honestly like the best comic book store. Um they had like a ton of alternative stuff. They carried manga. 
Um, they carried like adult staff and nobody there like cared about supervision or like <laughs> kids getting into stuff that they shouldn't be reading. So like I go in like after school and like my uniform and just go to the back and like keep reading Dave Cooper's ripple. And everyone was like, that's fine. That's totally fine. And BD. Um, so that was great. And then I also started picking up like pulp magazine there oh, and like man. all this like terrible like just the most quintessential like terrible 90s shit like i read like witch blade oh man <laughs> and, um, witch blade yeah. you got it i know i know but Fr- i was Christina like oh, Z, talking man. about a woman Fr- first woman on the uh, wizard hop riders list well there you go good for good for her i appreciate that work for sure um and oh gosh what else oh my god i read like the darkness oh but i also read the max and the max was like my favorite and it's still one of my favorite comics ever the max was one of my top three uh early image books i think it was it image or was it top cow that was the max was image max was image central i remember that um it came out it first debuted in like one of like a Rob Liefeld anthology book called Darker Image, where he had like Blood Wolf spelled W U L F. Oh no! But uh, but it was just like random Image Central, and I'd read that when uh, Shadowhawk wasn't breaking backs. <laughs> wow! But but you see, I would read this in in like total solitude. Did you have like like involvement in comics when you were like in high school? Um, I mean, I was always drawing comics and I had like one or two like cute little like gothy sort of like punky friends that were into it too. Um, but my like high school experience was really, I'm going to go out on a limb and say it was different from other cartoonists high school experience in that like I was like popular. Um, (laughs) I I feel like bad saying that, but I had like a ton of friends. I was a jock. I did like everything. I was senior class president. Like I was just killing it back then. And even though I like had a bowl cut for a haircut, like that didn't even matter. Like I was just slaying the game. So, um, I feel like that sets me apart a little bit now. Um, but I also had like an anime club and it was two people and wow. you know, what, what, yeah. what anime did the two of you watch? Oh man. You know, all the classics, vampire hunter D was a big, Ooh. that was a canon for us, obviously. Whatever you could get at blockbuster really. Yeah. Yeah. And then, then they opened a Suncoast at the mall and it was like <gasps> game over, you know, we like <laughs> spend all our like, um, Although, like, money we were making doing, like, shit jobs to get, like, FLCL on DVD and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. FLCL was the one where I decided I wasn't going to, like, be into this anymore, though. Because the DVDs were, like, $30 for, like, one episode. And I was like, I can't keep up this habit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Were you, like, making comics in high school with, like, your goth friends? Um, no, not really. But I have to say, I did look up my golf friend a few years ago, and I was very happy to see that she is, she has an online presence and she used it to yell at the Penny Arcade cartoonist guys. Um, so she's still out there keeping on. Appreciate that. Glad. Yeah, me too. So, uh, you didn't stick around in Pennsylvania though. You went to, um, Syracuse for college, right? I did. I went to Syracuse University, um, 2003 to 2007, and I studied art history. Yeah. Now, did that mark, like, a change in your consumption of comics? Like, did you did you suddenly have less access, or were there different people who were involved in comics, or...? Um, 
I I think I had more access. Like I I remember definitely like checking stuff out from the library. I don't remember there being a shop that I went to. Maybe once, like some weird thing in Rochester or something, where like weirdly there was more culture in Rochester than in Syracuse. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, maybe because of like the Kodak Eastman House and and the sort of like more universities there. Um, but yeah, it was that was more when I like. Well, that was kind of when, like, the more literary comics were, like, happening. So Dan Clowes and Chris Ware and, like, Adrian Tomine. I actually, like, I, like, ripped off a panel from an Adrian Tomine illustration. Whoa. And, like, I, u- I used it for something. And I thought <laughs> it would be hilarious to send that to him in the mail. Oh, my and God. And I did. I was like, check it out. And he wrote to me. He's like, this looks really familiar. Good job. I was like, thank you so much. <laughs> That's so fun. I just remember that. I haven't thought about that in years. But I don't, that was just like, that's such a like dumb teenage impulse to be like, I'll show them. What the fuck was I thinking? Um, but yeah, uh, that was when that sort of stuff was happening. And like, I definitely, I, I appreciated that moment. And it's ongoing, obviously. All of those cartoonists are still working. Um, but I also could kind of see like, this isn't quite where like I see myself fitting in. Yeah, yeah. What were you I'm not like, a serious, sad man, you know? Were, were you, like, making comics at that time? I was, yeah. I was making comics for... Um, uh, Syracuse has a daily newspaper. I don't know if they still do. Um, but it was, like, actual in, in print, like, newsprint. You know, you can get it at, like, the fucking dining hall and everything. Yeah, and yeah. I would do comics for it, and they were just so hated. Like, they were just really <laughs> terrible. <laughs> like, I was doing these, like, super absurd comics about this girl who was like i guess like a child and um it would be like these stupid gags where like she'd get a parka and take it off and then like would have giant muscles underneath that and so it was just like the dumbest <laughs> like this was when i realized like oh i can like get stoned like as a person and so it just all kind of took off from there um because before before college like i was you know, like the, the world of Bethlehem, Pennsylvania and like the radius of, you know, Bethlehem Catholic high school was so small, even just in terms of like what you could get to read. And so that's why like, you know, reading something like ripple was such a big deal for me and made such a big impact. And I think when I finally got out from like the microscope of, of that town, it all just sort of started exploding like really fast. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, that's that sounds like four panel manga right there. It was good. It was good stuff for sure. We're, I mean, but we get letters like, please don't put this in the newspaper anymore. Oh man, did you? Um, <laughs> because I noticed um, on the internet, this is like page thirty-eight of your uh, Google search on Katie Skelly. Um, oh no! I, I I noticed you did like an anthology, and I think you edited an anthology, and I think. Um, you were either, it was either your last year of college or you were just out of college. And it was called uh, Synthetic Visions, I think. Yeah. And th- wow. And I've never actually seen this comic in person. Uh, but I'm wondering, like, was this the product? Were you, like, part of a scene in Syracuse of cartoonists? Or were, were you, like, heavily using the internet? Um, I, I wasn't part of, like, a scene of cartoonists, but I was part of a scene of, like, sort of the like fringy weirdos like it was basically like the opposite of my 
a high school experience where like I was getting along with everybody and suddenly it's like, I only want to get along with like these four people and that's, and I'm good. Um, but like it was people that were like into film or into design or into photography or, you know, like my best friends, like theater design, it was, nobody was really like comics and, you know, I didn't, I wasn't in the, um, visual arts program. I didn't really know anybody who was making comics outside of like the newspaper. Um, so yeah, it was, I just kind of got my friends together and I was like, you know what? Comics are so cool. Like you guys should be into this. Like you should all make something for this anthology. And they were like, okay. And then I was like, Oh boy, this is woof. I didn't know that this was going to be like this. Um, and so, yeah, that was, that was right after I graduated. And that was right when I was making nurse nurse too. So thankfully my career as an editor kind of got pushed to the side in favor of my career as a cartoonist. I think that was the better move. Yeah, Nurse Nurse started uh, in 2007, I believe. and Yeah, how, like, 10 years ago, like right now. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, yeah. Like when you started making that, did you have like an idea of how you were going to get this into uh, people's hands? Like were you, were you studying the uh, the distribution models like online or mini-comics? Because <laughs> these were mini-comics at first. Yeah, I still don't know anything about distribution. I keep It's on my list of things to like learn, like right after Photoshop and like, mm. you know, all this other stuff that like, I've just managed to get away with for so long. I, um, I don't know how to record podcasts. Listen, it's, it's not easy. I mean, when I, <laughs> you know, was recording trash ones and stuff, I'd always fuck up. Um, no, but I'm, the, um, the goal I think with that was like, I just really wanted to get it into stores. Like I wanted people to be able to go to a comic book shop and like, find it in like the mini comics or whatever and buy it. And then Dylan Williams at spark plug that that's exactly what happened. Like he found a comic in a shop and was like, this is really cool. I really like this. Can we distribute it for you? And we'll with spark plug and we'll get it in more stores. And I was like, this is my like star turn. And and honestly, like everything just kind of took off from there. Yeah. You know, like it's like a 10 year grind, but before that, were you you like cold calling stores or how is it getting around? I'm just curious. Um, how the fuck was I doing it? I was like, I definitely like local ones. And then I think like I would take trips to New York and just kind of like talk to people in stores there. Cause like I always, always wanted to like be a New Yorker. And I was like, this is the place where, you know, it's all going to happen for me and, you know, throw my fucking hat up in the air like that girl and all that sort of (laughs) shit. Um, but yeah, like, uh, Jim Hanley's took it and forbidden planet. And I think even like rocket ship at the time took some stuff. Um, so yeah. And then it just kept moving from there. And then Dylan was able to get it, you know, like nationwide into like, you know, your small press, zine store or your comic book store that was like mini comic friendly so all of a sudden it was like i was going to kinko's every fucking weekend and making more comics of you know printing out more nurse notes and then it was like well issue one is doing well so you gotta do two and three and i made seven like it took i was at kinko's all the time they thought i worked there it's awful (laughs) did you like have a goal with nurse nurse like this is going to be collected or like or or were you just kind of like doing it because you got to do it I never really thought I would be published. It wasn't until like I got up to like issue four or five that I was like, Oh yeah, I'm going to ask Dylan. Cause you know, Sparkplug yeah. was a distributor and, and a publisher as well. And I was like, I'm going to ask Dylan. I'm so scared. <laughs> and I like made this like package with like a proposal and like all kinds of like 
dioramas and all this shit. I don't oh. know. I was out of my out of my mind, and I like sent him all this stuff, and I was like, if you could like just think about this, I mean, it might be cool. And he was like, yeah, okay, let's do it. And I was like, what? <laughs> like I didn't know. I didn't know um, it wasn't going to be this like major thing because I, I, I didn't even know like that the work was good enough to be in stores, let alone like have a collection. And then, yeah, everything just kind of went from there. Yeah. When I look at the um, nurse nurse collected book, it's, it's the kind of book that um, it's sort of like the story of your evolution, because in my opinion, at the end of the book, you're very much a different, more evolved artist than you were at the beginning of the book. And it covers a pretty long period of time. I think like five or six years went into that. And mm-hmm. I, I'm wondering, do you do you revisit old works? Do you like look at Nurse Nurse? Do you have like a perspective on that? Um, I'll look at pages every now and then. I'll, I'll dig them out or I'll take a look at the book. Um, but that was really the book where I sort of had to learn how to draw and like mm-hmm. how to draw comics. Cause you know, I'd been, I'd been doing work and figuring that language out, but it was kind of like the, the battleground to get that idea really solidified of like, how am I going to be a storyteller? Um, and it's a good way to do it. It's definitely a trial by fire. And I feel really lucky that, you know, my sort of first stab at the forum got to be collected and got to be collected by Sparkplug. Like, what a cool thing, you know? Um, but, yeah, I don't really go back and look at old work because it, it just kind of feels like um, it's done, like it's dead. Uh, yeah. I'm not really learning anything from it. Sometimes I feel, like, embarrassed, like, oh, I never would draw this thing or that thing like that again. And, like, you don't really want to get caught up in, in nitpicking that, something that you already did. Yeah, yeah. Did you also have a um, idea behind Nurse Nurse? Because and by what I mean by that is Nurse Nurse is um, it kind of has a lot of science fiction heavy ideas, and I tend to associate it a little bit with the time in comics when it came out. I think it came out as a book in like 2012, right? Yeah. So um, in the time it was being serialized, there were a couple comics going on that sort of... They, they used to be called fusion comics, which were comics that approached uh, genre-style comics in sort of an individualist way. And was that was that something you were consciously thinking of? Did you, did you just want to pursue, like, science fiction ideas in a comic, or...? Um, I thought, like... I, I thought like I would go to shows, like I'd go to the store or whatever, and I wasn't seeing like like Barbarella for like the 21st century, mm-hmm. and I was like, that's stupid. Like there, <laughs> there's that's all that I want to read, so I have to make this now. So I was like, yeah, I have to do science fiction, and I have to do whatever. Um, but I didn't really know like any contemporaries that were doing that sort of stuff. Like what would be like a fusion comic? Ah, oh, gosh, a fusion comic would be something like, you'd, you'd cite stuff like um, Castro Perrick's uh, The Morning Star, or uh, Frank Santoro and Ben Jones's uh, Cold Heat, which oh, okay. never yeah. reached an ending, but yeah. Yeah, okay, I, I get it. I'm picking up what you're putting down. Yeah, um, yeah, I just sort of saw like a lot of potential for that, you know? I. Everything that I go for, it's like I can never really explain it. I just have this gut feeling of like, this is the thing. Yeah, yeah. We're um, right after Nurse Nurse, I think you started doing um, 
Operation Margarine in mini comics, and and that um, that's something I kind of want to hit on because all of your major, your three big long books, which are Nurse Nurse, Operation Margarine, and My Pretty Vampire, coming soon, um, mm-hmm. all of those have to some degree been pre-published in a mini-comic form, at least partially. I don't think any of them have always been like totally mini-comics. But I'm, mm. wonder- I'm wondering, um, is there, like, like, is making things into mini-comics a way to... Like, like, do you feel you need to do that to get it in front of people, or is it something that like drives you to continue on a long project? Or yeah, it, it's they definitely inform each other. There, like, um, I, I print the mini comics up because I like being able to go to shows and I like making money on something as I'm working yeah. on it. Um, and I like that feeling of of getting feedback and seeing people react to it, and um, you know, hopefully having the the right reaction, but I don't really think there's like such a thing as liking something for the wrong reasons. Um, and I also just kind of like seeing it in print. Like I'm a very impatient person. And when something's done, I'm just like, I gotta, you know, finalize it and show it to people and, and that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Did it, did you like, I don't actually know. Did the Operation Margarine book come along like because of the mini comics then or? Um, how the f- how did I do that? You know what? I drew, I drew like 20 pages and I was like, I, I was like, I'm ready. And I just took it to Chris Pitzer and I was like, hi, I, you know, I know, you know, nurse nurse. And I think you are a fan and I want to work with you. And what do you think of this? And, um, he wanted to see a little bit more. And I was like, oh, I can't believe he wants to see more than 20 pages. That's crazy. It was like, <laughs> you know, what, 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 again, like, what am I thinking? So, um, you know, I drew a little more and he was like, yeah, this is cool. This is good. And here's what we can do. And, you know, just kind of went back and forth on that. Um, but I did like three or four mini comics of that. Yeah. So that's, that's sort of like what I like to do. I, and in some ways I feel like I start doing these mini comics, like now just to pitch them. Like I was putting vampire out because I was like, oh, I just want to be able to show it to fancy graphics again and, yeah. and get in there. <laughs> Um, now when you started working on Operation Margarine, did you have a better idea of how it was going to look? Like, were you conceptualizing it as a book as opposed to with Nurse Nurse at that point? Um, no, I, because when I work in, in the mini comics, like, it's pretty much going to be the same as the book. Like, whatever size I'm working at, like, that's going to be how the book is going to look. I... I don't really ever think about how the book is actually going to look until we're like in the stage of designing it. And then I'm like, Oh yeah, it should be like purple here. I don't really even, I can't conceive of it. Yeah. I think I have this weird thing in my mind where I'm like, if I think about it too much, I'm going to like jinx it. Does that uh, extend to how long the book is going to be? Like, is there a lot of intuition in how you uh, structure these storylines? Um, not really. I mean, I, I usually have an idea of like the beats that I want to hit in a story and like major plot points and stuff like that. But I don't really map those out until I'm making that next issue. Yeah. Like I know what's going to happen in each issue, but I don't know like all of the details around it yet. Um, I don't really work with like a script. I normally just like sit out to do the next page and I just kind of scribble things out and, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm trying with the, with the next thing that I'm doing to uh, 
be a little bit more organized and, and everything. Cause it's going to be like a long story with like a lot of characters. So I'm going to have to be a lot more careful. Um, just focusing on like one or two characters, you have a lot more leeway for that kind of stuff. Yeah. What were the, um, ideas like you'd mentioned, um, that there weren't a lot of genre comics you were seeing going into nurse nurse. Did, cause I know in between nurse nurse and operation margarine's completion, you were doing, a little more work on the comic scene. Like, you were in anthologies like uh, Thickness, the uh, Ryan Sands, Michael DeForge uh, anthology. I think, were you already doing the Agent Web comics by then, too? I wasn't. Um, Thickness was 2011, Mm -hmm. and then I started doing the Agent stuff in, like, 2013. So there was a little bit of time between those. Um, But, yeah, Nurse Nurse was great, and I was lucky enough to have people... Uh, to have artists like like Michael DeForge and like Brandy Graham who were really into it and like you know they would talk about it and and stuff um, and sort of hype it up and that was really really nice. Uh, so yeah, it definitely like the nurse nurse stuff. I think it just looked so weird. It didn't look like anything that was coming out. Um, and I think a lot of people could kind of like from like a younger sort of comics generation could sink their teeth into it because it looked kind of like manga. Yeah. Um, I, you know, there's a lot of like style that I, I sort of copped from the manga that I was reading and still do. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah, I, I kind of got like more involved in comics on the whole rather than just my own little book projects, you know? Yeah. Were you getting like feedback on your work? Like, did people like write in or, uh, email you or? Um, yeah, for sure. I got, um, you know, like I said, um, Brandon and Michael were really great. Um, Ryan Sands again was really great. Um, yeah, definitely like heard back from peers and like from people that I aspire to be more like. So that was super cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see. What's your, actually, I kind of want to know because my personal favorite of your works is a web comic you did. And that's um, a webcomic called Tanya. And I don't think that's ever been printed, has it been? No, it's never been in print, just uh, just online. Yeah, yeah. And I was, well, the first thing I was wondering is, do you have, like, 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 what's your impression of doing work online? Because there was a point eventually where you started doing a lot of the agent comics online. You did uh, Tanya online. And, like, like, is there a different approach with web comics, or is there just... Is it just a different means of getting things out there? I pretty much go about it the same way, because my end goal is always print. So I'm always thinking, how do I... If I needed to print this, how is it going to, like, fit on a page? Yeah. So I don't do, like, anything big and experimental. Like, do you remember um, Dash Shot, like, Body World? Yeah, which, yeah. You could just, like, scroll and scroll and scroll. Like, yeah. I never really tried anything like that. I was always just sort of, like, very formally, like, focused. Um, yeah, I think, I mean, in terms of uh, the stuff that you can do online, like, I, I think I would be a little bit more, like, bold with that kind of stuff and a little bit more... Um, experimental and more willing to do ideas that were like weirdly sexual because what is a better outlet for weirdly sexual stuff than the internet? Um, and yeah, I, I also just kind of wanted to see like, you know, things were changing and shifting around comics and I was like, do, do I even really need to print anymore? Like what's, what's sort of the future of all this stuff? And, you know, over time, I've sort of come to understand that like print is still viable and important 
and you know people do still ultimately want it like as a commodity too so uh i can do be in both worlds um which is nice but yeah i think i don't really think like too too much about differentiating um the stuff i'm doing between print and online but i'm definitely like a little bit more willing to take risks on just online stuff yeah yeah i um what i really responded to a lot with uh tanya is that it's it's a very it's a very common story like like were you like uh fixated on the tanya harding story i love the tanya harding story <laughs> it's so fascinating i remember being in third grade when it all went down and like we would have to like have discussions about it in class about like sportsmanship and all this oh stuff God. because that <laughs> yeah because like that was a, a value you what, know like what, in my in my school and everything what and sports you know it's did Pennsylvania. you play in school by the way you mentioned you were a jock yeah i played field hockey i played volleyball and my big one was softball oh yeah um, I was a catcher. I played softball from when I was like super little until the end of high school. So that was like a big, big part of my life. That and piano lessons. And I, I fucking hated piano lessons. <laughs> oh God. But I think like those experiences really, I know I'm getting off topic, but I think those experiences like really formed me because I'm, I'm, I like working with a team. I like like accomplishing like very set goals, you know, mm-hmm. like, I'm, I'm down with like something that's going to take a long time. Like I don't mind that. Um, but anyway, the Tanya Harding thing, I, when the 30 for 30 documentary came out about, um, about that whole incident, I was just like, oh, so captivated. I yeah. watched it a million times. I loved just like Tanya Harding's denial of reality. Like she's, in a totally different realm. Mm-hmm. It, it's so obvious. And like they, at the end of it, they're even just like, so did Tanya do it? And everyone she knows is like, yeah, of course. Like there's <laughs> no one else, you know, she hired some like idiot goons to like whack this, this athlete's leg because she couldn't win. And it's like, what the hell, who does that? Like, you know, growing up and playing sports, it's like, if you can't beat the other team, it's like, you just take the L. You don't, like, hire yeah. hitmen to, like, hit, like, a student athlete or something. It's like, what the hell? Um, so I, I love that, like, extreme. Like, I love, like, extreme measures and extreme characters. And I think I write women that are sort of like Tanya Harding. <laughs> um, but there was also something really compelling in the fact that she could only get not only satisfaction, but also like safety and, um, stability out of figure skating. Like there's just something that's so sad about that. Like she was essentially abandoned by her family and her husband was just sort of like mooching off her and like abusing her to the point that like she felt so pushed that like this was the only recourse that she had. And I was like, that's so crazy and interesting. And you know, like I said, growing up doing sports and stuff, it's like you feel this satisfaction when you're just accomplishing like very specific goals. Like I can remember like after softball practice and stuff, like picking up a ball and throwing it in the air and just like hitting it myself into the outfield. And I was like, this is such a good feeling. Like this is the best feeling. And so I wanted to like look at that moment when Tanya Harding landed the triple axel and just sort of look at like, what does it feel like to be that satisfied again? Cause I, I don't feel that way. Like as an adult, I think that's 
good, right? <laughs> it's mm-hmm. good to not feel like simple base satisfaction off of like physical dumb shit. Not that the triple axle is dumb shit, but just throwing baseballs is like, what the hell? Um, but I wanted to look at that moment when like everything was perfect for Tanya, you know? Um, and then everything just falls apart so quickly afterward. You only have that couple seconds where everything gets to be like perfection. I think a lot of the characters that I write are like seeking perfection somehow, but it's just like totally unattainable. Yeah. I think there's a commonality between your depiction of Tanya Harding, which has a great, uh, ambivalence, I think, to it. I, I notice your comic, it doesn't actually definitively answer whether she knows it or not. It kind, it kind of grants her a certain dignity in not making a final determination as to whether she's aware of what's happening or not. She's she's literally surrounded by wolves, which is how you anthropomorphize the, uh, the men who actually carried out the attack in her life. Um, it's, it's the men, but it's also like these feelings, I don't like to like explain my own work that much. Cause I'm just like, Oh, that's not my job. But yeah. with this one, like, just cause I love Tanya Harding so much. I also <laughs> feel like it's not just the, not just men, but it's like the manifestations of like the ugly that she has inside because mm-hmm. she's taken so much in, in this journey of becoming a professional athlete that like, she kind of has no recourse for yeah. it. And I feel I feel like that sometimes, like, you know, on this, on this path that like I've been on to become a cartoonist or become a professional in New York or any of these things, it's like, you have to just kind of swallow so much that's ugly. And you're like, where do you put it? Like, I think it manifests itself in, in weird ways outside of you. So yeah, me and Tanya, I just, I don't know, man, I feel for her. I feel for her with that those crispy bangs. Cause I just didn't have my hair together for the longest time. And I feel for her with that mom that had all those parakeets and all that weird shit. Like she's so sympathetic to me. Yeah. Well, let me jump off that a little, because if you take, um, operation margarine and you take, uh, my pretty vampire, uh, which has been pre-published in some mini comics and is otherwise coming soon. Um, yes. I think there's something of, a change in your depictions, and maybe it's just the genre you're working in, because in Operation Margarine, you're working in kind of a, a biker genre, and there's kind of a, an element of the friendship between the women and their struggle against the world. And I think in My Pretty Vampire, the uh, heroine, Clover, she kind of, and maybe it's because this is now a horror genre thing, but she seems to, she she acts in a way that I think a lot of readers maybe will see as less immediately uh, morally acceptable or good and I don't know if that's just something by genre dictates or is is that an evolution in your thinking of how these characters should behave because I think Clover is less constrained let's say by good behavior not that everybody's good in Operation Margarine but... <laughs> yeah no I think that is a really uh, adept way of looking at it for sure I mean Something that I've been thinking about a lot in the last few years is sort of like what it means, what it means when like a book or a film or whatever gets like, not even that, I don't know. I'm just thinking about like, how did I say this the last time? That was really smart. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. Let me just pause for one second and collect my thoughts. Um, 
I was thinking about what exploitation really means in terms of like genre and storytelling. And there's something about like seeing works of art celebrated for like particular philosophies that was kind of disturbing to me. Like I think a lot of times when comics or movies or whatever get praised as like, like feminist, sometimes Mm-hmm. People just want to read like parables. And when you're thinking about like how things actually work, like, okay, take for example, like there's like two companies that like I have been keeping an eye on because they've been in like the paper for being like problematic recently. One is Nasty Gal and the other one is Thinks, um, which is like that period proof underwear or whatever. Yeah. They both like have done a ton of PR and all of this stuff that say like they, they uphold feminist ideas and all this kind of stuff. And like, you know, the women that run them, the like CEOs get to do like Ted talks and, you know, have TV shows made about them and all this sort of stuff. But at the same time, like these companies go bankrupt and they get sued and they have a ton of like legal trouble because they do stuff like fire women when they get pregnant or just like overwork employees or like literally like sexual harass, sexually harass them. Like all kinds of like nasty stuff comes up. And I'm like, does this actually, I mean, I'm sure like these are just two very, very bad examples of this obviously, but it's like the co-opting of these ideas and these philosophies for like a product to sell yeah. Just seems so disingenuous and so weird. And I was like, these are, these aren't great examples. These are just like women that are just like, you know, putting other women and people underneath them just to make money and just to succeed. And I'm like, as like marginalized figures, like women in business or, you know, whatever, like, is it possible to really like sort of break through and transgress that without hurting other people in the process. And I know those are like very lofty ideas and obviously that's not what I'm touching on in my pretty vampire so much, but I wanted to write a character that, you know, in order for her journey to succeed in order for her to transgress these things that she's been put under, she's just kind of amassing bodies underneath her. And I wanted to like, look at how complicated a dynamic like that could be. Does that make sense? No, that makes perfect sense. It's um, <laughs> Nothing works under late capitalism is really what I'm saying. And I'm full commie now. Um, <laughs> as you know, I watch Lost Chinois and I am full commie. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, very, I, I know you're a fan of uh, The Marriage of Maria Brown, the Fassbender film. And yes, for I think, sure. I think, that's, I think that plays uh, strongly into this idea as well. Well, that's a great movie about scamming, and she was really our our first uh, art house scammer. So I'm a big big fan of that film. Um, but yeah, I so I wanted to do something that was going to be a little bit more complicated, and I wanted to do something that like I wanted to in a way just kind of resist like putting an easy label on it because sometimes when it comes to nurse nurse or when it comes to operation margarine, what I'll get critically is like, these are girl power books or these are like cute or, you know, these are badass women or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, are they? Yeah. I don't know that they are. I think that the stories that I write are complicated and maybe that doesn't jump out right away. So, okay, let me go further into that. And let me see if I can resist getting that put on me at all. Yeah. Not yeah. that I not that I look down on anybody that's trying to write, you know, like a strong female character or any of that sort of stuff. And I'm like, I don't know that that's 
interesting. Mm-hmm. I don't know that that works. Like, I don't want to watch Wonder Woman. I want to watch Maria Braun. I want to watch a woman that's like scamming and conniving and like doing evil shit. Yeah, yeah. Let, actually, you know? let's yeah, let's talk a little about aesthetics, even because um, my pretty vampire is your first like long book in a uh, full color as well. And mm-hmm. I think before that, I think you've done some color work before that. But for me, what's predominantly uh, color in your work is the uh, agent strips you did for Sluttist which were yes. um, very, like, uh, sexually oriented or sexually explicit uh, web comics. And I'm wondering, do you see color as kind of a, an added sensual aspect to the art? Like, is that part of the character it adds, or...? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it creates a mood. Um, it helps you understand, like, flesh, where it starts and where yeah. it stops. Um yeah, I mean, it's like a whole thing. And I have self-diagnosed synesthesia as well, so it's like a whole other plane of of experience for me, yeah. I like to think anyway. You've Someone met- told me it was just because I read that on the Aphex Twin Wikipedia that he has it, but that's not true. Mm, I totally yeah. see colors when I hear numbers. Yeah. Seven is yellow. You, you've mentioned, actually, before um, studying palettes, like individual color palettes. Was there is there a particular color palette that went into uh, My Pretty Vampire that you were kind of fixated on? Um, I was looking at, like, like Suspiria, um, less of the, like, neon sort of stuff in Suspiria, but more of, like, that deep red, I guess even from deep red as well, like, that deep red... Um, hue and like yellow and just sort of building stuff around that also looking at um jean Roland films like uh you know fascination or requiem for a vampire i think requiem for a vampire was like a big thing for me too mm-hmm. um yeah just really like just trying to be evocative of like late 70s sleazy european horror i think i got it yeah, yeah. Did that change the way you drew, knowing you were going to do it in color? Or, like, were you thinking of, like, color on the page? Or You know, the only time I really think about color on the page is when I'm, like, planning, like, a big black area. Yeah. Otherwise, I'm like, oh, I'll figure it out in the... <laughs> I'll call an audi- audible when I'm actually doing it. And that has kind of worked at this point. Now I probably should think about it more, but we'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. So let's see. My Pretty Vampire is uh, coming soon. Um, I guess I'm wondering... I, I guess I should change topics a little bit here because you're somebody, and you've mentioned this before, but you're somebody who, since you graduated school, and I kind of associate your professional comics work with your graduating school from undergrad because that's when Nurse Nurse started, you've always um, had a full-time job. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, since... well. When I graduated, I moved in with my parents, oh boy, for like six months, and mm-hmm. I was working part-time, but then uh, I would say 2008 on, I've, I've worked full-time. Okay. Do you, I, I mean, have you felt, I guess I'm wondering, do you feel like you're having um, the same artistic uh, experience or evolution as your peers uh, working a full-time job? Because uh, I know I'm certainly a lot... These days, there's cartoonists who struggle, and there's an ongoing conversation about how economics are going to work, particularly for small press 
cartoonists um, in the economic situation now. Do 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 you feel aloof from that or? I don't know. I mean, I definitely. I, I mean, I'm kind of changing up the way that I'm doing stuff, which is that you know I've launched a Patreon to yeah. get the next comic going. Um, my cat just stood on the phone. She's happy about that money coming in. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, I think I think that sort of model could be really good. I would like for it not to be a necessity to get work done. Um, I, I mean. You know, it it is definitely difficult to work full time and have the energy and like capacity for this. Not even just to have the energy for it, but the energy to do a good job. And I don't even mean just like the actual drawing, but like showing up for like, you know, four days of interviews, um, showing up and, you know, being friendly at a show and like being able to handle people and, you know, doing good work like on yourself, um, for the public, like that can be challenging for sure. Um, you know, all my like vacation days are days that I spend at shows. Like I don't take vacation. (laughs) Um, yeah, I I think that that is really difficult. I don't, I don't begrudge anybody that has a hard time with it. I I still have a hard time with it. Do you have like a work, like a work life balance thing you have going on or, um, it's not really anything that like I figure out in advance. The only thing that I really have planned, like, recently is, you know, every weekend, like, until kind of the end of July, I'm like, I'm going to go to the beach, like, every single weekend. Yeah. Like, I'm going to go to Rockaway Park and just, like, show the fuck out because tour is coming up. It's going to be crazy, whatever. Um, and then, like, I definitely have, like, a social life and, you know, I have my friends and I have other stuff that I like to do. Um but, like, when you're in the thick of it, it just fucking, it sucks. It yeah. really sucks. Um, and I don't like to complain about it too much, but, because people have, like, actual legitimate problems, not just, like, drawing funny books and sending weird shit to Adrian Tomine or whatever. Yeah, um, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I would hope that something that comes out of this political climate and all of this Michigas is we just finally have, like, a nice socialist overthrow i'm rooting for that i'm definitely (laughs) trying to get involved in stuff like that and trying to volunteer with dsa and and do things that are like meaningful at least to me as these sort of like political gestures um because i do think about like you know not just not like not even so much how much further could i have gone as an artist if i didn't have to worry about you know, healthcare and I didn't have to have job lock because, you know, I have pre-existing conditions and all that sort of stuff, like, which, you know, is like being a woman basically. Um, but how many other, like how much work are we missing out on because people have to just sort of throw their entire lives away just to get by? Like, I, I don't think it should be a privilege to be able to make comics. You know, I think that that the nice thing about it for me was that there was no, level of entry other than like can you you know buy a sheet of bristol and get somewhere to scan it in um i I don't know i it makes me sad when i think about like people that don't people that have so much artistic potential and something to say and they like can't even make time to do stuff like this let alone people that like went to school for it and are like you know gonna pay back those debts forever yeah yeah do you have any advice you would give to somebody who is uh, just starting out making comics or trying to find their way in the world? Oh, man. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. 
You, you don't mean, need to have advice. You don't. I don't think I do. I think I just, man, definitely take breaks because Tessica just died at his desk like a like an idiot. No, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> don't do that shit. Um, no, uh, that's totally going to be me. Actually, no, I've, I'm totally going to get killed by a serial killer, but we can talk about that later. I think, <laughs> I think, I don't know, just hang in there. <laughs> that's like the worst advice ever. Just hang in there, man. Yeah. Um, maybe try to help out with that socialist overthrow thing. I really think we're going to go places with that. And, um, I'm just fucking read and watch and get into as much stuff as you can because there's nothing worse than somebody who just reads comics and makes comics, you know? You got to yeah. be you got to be interested to be interesting, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. What's what's some of the uh the cultural stuff that's floating around with the new work that you're just starting on now, the one you're uh doing through your Patreon? Um a lot of pension. I didn't expect to kind of get back into you know, like I just kind of like have been circling the influences and for whatever reason that just sort of like has hooked me and I want to do something that's like West coast oriented and I want to do something that's going to have a lot of characters as opposed to just one or two, like I mentioned. And, you know, I want to do something that's going to have like, it's going to be funny and it's going to be goofy and it's going to be paranoid and, you know, there's not going to be like a big message or anything. Um, and, and that's kind of what I like. Yeah. Yeah. So there's that. I'm looking at like 80s anime again for palettes, um, because they're just so like the stuff coming out of like 80s Japanese animation is just like, <gasps> I love those colors. Like it just feels like you've taken like a, a Xanax or something. I don't yeah, know. I don't yeah. know how to describe it. <laughs> it's like you took a Xanax and like drink you know, a bunch of like soda. It just feels like really good. Yeah. I, I, you've, uh, I've seen you working in a uh, Yurutsi at Sura gifts a lot. I have so many. I send them to my friends all the time and they're like, please stop. Like we haven't spoken in a couple years. Like you have to stop <laughs> sending me these gifts. Like, why don't you ask how my family, you know, all kinds of like annoying stuff. And I just keep sending them. Like, um, but yeah, I'm a big fan of that. I love Sailor Moon. Um, Yeah. I don't know. I, I just want to do something that's like every, every time I go into a project, I'm like, I want to do something that is going to be totally different from the last thing I just did, but I'm going to get you to love it. Yeah. 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 Oh man. Can't pin me down. No, no. So what, what's it been like? Because, <laughs> and I think this is somewhere where we can wrap it up because we are getting dangerously close to an hour and coming up next is the Jimmy Durante show sponsored by Rexall. <laughs> um, but what's it, I, I get the feeling that you've been for my pretty vampire on like, a an unprecedentedly, uh, powerful, um, publicity run because you're going to, to a lot of shows. I think you've been doing, uh, interviews every day. Is, is this something like, <laughs> is this something different? Uh, is it more like, overwhelming than what you've done before or or do you just see that as do you see this as something that like that just comes with having bigger and bigger books yeah i think it comes with with working with fana too um and i think like you know for operation margarine i was just throwing myself out there as much as possible like you know let me get coverage everywhere like i'll go pit like you know and you know pitzer is working on stuff too yeah but i'm like oh let me just like you know do whatever and kind of grassroots that stuff. Now I don't really have to do that so much. 
And yet, I still find myself doing it. I'm still like, oh, I have to get covered on like this blog and this blog and this blog. And yeah, that's still fine. Do, um, do you have a concern that you'll vanish if you're not like there, out there? Oh, to- all the time. All the time. I'm like, everyone will forget. Yeah. And then you have like a stretch of four days where you're doing nothing but talking about yourself. And you're like, I don't want to, I don't want to be doing this anymore. Like, I just want to <laughs> be invisible. Like, I, I think that's another reason I'm getting into the pension stuff is because I'm like, he's a recluse. How does he do this? How are people interested in that? Yeah. And like, um, you know, somebody like, uh, Cormac McCarthy who would like never do a reading yeah, and like, would just be broke like forever. You're like, how do they, <laughs> I wonder for all this talk about like, you know, keeping my health care and working and supporting myself. Like, what if I could just start scrounging? Like, what if I could just like, like, oh, of, of all this stuff, but I don't think I'll be able to. Um, I mean, I feel like slightly overwhelmed, but it's overwhelmed in the best way. I mean, it's like, this is a dream. Like that anybody would give a shit or read anything that I write or draw or whatever. Like, that's crazy. Yeah. And, you know, we should be so lucky to have that. And so I'm really trying to, you know, just keep perspective and be chill about it and not worry so much. But, you know, it, it has become like another full-time job, just like getting this stuff together. Mm-hmm. And the tour is going to be big for this book. I'm going to the West Coast. I'm going to the UK. I have East Coast stuff lined up. And like, I, I see the publicity for this being like a year-long thing. Um and it's like, okay, that's cool. And then you have to start thinking, well, you know, I should start thinking about like bigger and better things. And what do I do next? And, you know, but it is kind of, I think the reason that I've been able to like stick around as long as I have and, and get like a little bit of success is just that I showed up. Yeah. I show up for everything. So, you know, that is what it is. I was, you know, practically a Kinko's employee for <laughs> a couple of years and, you know, now I'm going to be a pain in the ass everywhere else that I go. So it's everyone else's problem now, really. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's see. I'm going to ask the um, the traditional uh, manga final question. You got uh, it. Do you have a uh, message you would like to give to your readers? <laughs> I would like to tell them and the children of the world, congratulations. How about that? <laughs> very very fucking, neon Genesis Evangelion like, there. Exactly. The penguin is like, congratulations. (laughs) (laughs) Fraser's dog is like, congratulations. But I'm not really like a message person. I don't think my work has like a message. I think a message is like sloppy. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's the message is like no message, but also congratulations. (laughs) All right. Well, uh, thank you again for uh, listening to Ink Studs. We'll be, uh, we'll be back next week talking to uh, Charlie Brown himself. <laughs> Bye. That was great. Oh, you're playing more music. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. <laughs>